1: All right, we are back. Welcome back. Hello, Mr. Greg Hemmings. Good as, to see
2: you. As Welcome Back Carter once said, welcome back, Dave. <laughs> he said, welcome back, Dave? I don't know. I don't I, think so. I, I, I didn't, so I, you're dating yourself. That theme song always comes to my head every time you say welcome back, you know? <laughs> um, well, listen, we, we could do a
1: long preamble here, but we're not going to because we're going to jump straight into uh, what's going to be the most listened to podcast ever. Yep. It's true. Uh, on the boiling point, it,
2: it be, because our, our, our upcoming guest actually has challenged us uh, to this. He really wanted to have the the appropriate amount of data to prepare himself to actually be the most listened to uh, boiling point podcast uh, that we've ever done. And I I truly believe that we're going to get him to that stat. I think it could happen. His
1: name's Sean Smith. He's on the line. I'm gonna, we're going to we're going to just invite him in in a moment. Let me tell you how this came together. So Sean and I would have run into each other a few times uh, in the last year and a half, two years. Um, and, uh, anyways, we set up a, a phone call. I'm in Montreal. I'm talking to him about what he's doing now. Um, we are about a minute and a half into the conversation and I thought, geez, I think Greg would like this. And I think people in boiling point would be interested in hearing more about what he does. And it is October and October is, uh, for people that don't know is national inclusion month. And Sean has a business, uh, and I'm going to get him to describe it. Um, but I love it if you it's uh, if you go to ddmacs.com, dot you'll see this great picture, Sean. And don't diss my ability. Um, so, Sean, welcome to the Boiling Point. Thank you for making this particular interview the most listened to ever.
3: Thank you, and you're welcome. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so tell us a little bit about. Uh, I mean, you and I had a I had a chance to talk when I was in the airport running through, and uh, great conversation. And you've got a really cool backstory, and and what you're doing now is so cool. And can you? And, and it's National Inclusion Month, so you know that's all wrapped together. But can you give the the uh, our audience a little bit of uh, context to this?
3: Sure. And and context is a key word for me. I'm glad you actually brought that up because it's going to come up a lot. Um, so. Sean Smith and I own uh, Don't Dis My Ability. Uh, I was diagnosed with ADHD at age 30, Uh, so lived most of my life undiagnosed, wondering what was wrong with me. And then came to be diagnosed and uh, experienced a lot of self-growth and kind of came to the conclusion that ADHD wasn't what's wrong with me, it's what's right with me. And returned to school, got my Master's of Education in Counseling Psychology, and just kind of worked a few jobs in nonprofits, uh, gained a lot of experience, and uh, eventually ventured out onto my own to uh, provide counseling and consulting services for uh, companies, individuals, and families.
1: So what? So, you know, your experience, like you know, living up to thirty, and then you get a diagnosis, and then like, was it just one of these things that just completely changed everything for you, or like, what was what? what tell us a little bit about um, you know how that all played out.
3: Sure, and and this is why I, I don't, like, I wasn't predicting that I would be the most popular podcast because of what I'm selling. I, I think that I'll be the most popular podcast because of the content. Um, part of my pitch is everybody knows somebody with a disability. Statistically, it is impossible not to. And if I'm engaging or talking with someone and they claim to not, then I would end the conversation because it would just be out of sheer ignorance and I don't make time for people like that. <laughs> Uh, but I'm from Fredericton, New Brunswick, grew up here, um, you know, middle-class family, uh, and just kind of struggled the whole way through. Um, it, it just, it didn't matter how hard I tried or what I did or what my parents tried to do. I, cu- I couldn't do it. Uh, I really stumbled in, 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 grade eight. I lied my whole way through the year. I mean, I had my parents convinced I, I didn't have any homework. There were no tests. Uh, my best friend's mom—they worked together in the same office, and we were in the same class. And my mom would ask me, "How is it that this person got this grade back and you didn't?" I was just that freaking good. <laughs> uh, I made it through the whole year. I eventually I failed the grade, and then it was, you know the cat was out of the bag. Uh, but then in high school, things just kind of got so much worse. Like it took me four years to finish three years of high school. Thirty-two attempts during the eighteen credits required to graduate. I took grade 10 math four times. Uh, I think I had a, a 36, a 36, a 38, and then a 51 maybe, or a 50. So I lived my life wondering what was wrong with me. I mean, I thought I was dumb, I, like I, I thought I was stupid, and my family and friends all thought that I was stupid. Um, and it sounds horrible to say, but it's the truth, you know, and, and I didn't give my parents much to work with. I remember uh, at a midterm in high school, I got six percent in typing, and leaving that for for my mom to sign at the midterm at the bottom <laughs> of the stairs on our way out the door. I will never forget that shrill.
2: Uh,
3: so, and then having worked uh, worked on the front line, uh, I worked for a company called SpurWink in the states. Uh, my wife and I were therapeutic foster parents and worked with at-risk youth and kind of had an inkling but didn't really do anything about it um and then eventually moved to the Northwest Territories uh where I got into a labor dispute with my employer and uh was going to file a grievance and I thought you know what I'm I'm going to go get tested I'm I'm just going to go see and so in the Northwest Territories through I mean they have locums there's a psychiatrist that comes through once every 3 months so uh, it was actually a, a family doctor or you know the locum whoever was there who uh, who diagnosed me and I and I got Ritalin right away. And the best way for me to describe it, um, for those thirty years, I, I was in a fog and in a haze. Um, I couldn't remember stuff. I still have I still have gaps in in my memory. Uh, I would always feel like I needed a nap for my nap. I never felt well rested. Uh, I just was always tired and it it affected every aspect of my life. I mean, academically, I I struggled. Uh, I did eventually make it through. Uh, I got snuck into college after high school. Uh, I started playing football my first year of university, uh, first year of high, uh, sorry, first year of grade 12. Uh, and my second year, I was an all star. And so I got a package from every Canadian university that had a football team and it was such a high. And then such a low, because after I, I opened one after the other, you needed a 60% average to get in. And so here I am with this big stack of envelopes feeling great and then feeling horrible and, and being even more depressed and anxious than I was already. Uh, and a, a team uh, from Montreal, a CEGEP, uh started recruiting at a province for the first time. And the defensive coordinator was also the head registrar, and they snuck me in. And without them, I, there's no way I would be where I'm at. Uh, I was in a, a two-year program. It took me three years three years to finish. I uh, went to St. Thomas. Uh, they give you a year credit for SEJEP. I should have been done in three years. I took four. Uh, and then ended up traveling back and forth, uh, going to different places, trying to find employment. Um, and so it's been a, an interesting experience. And when I started taking medication, Ritalin is a stimulant. And so it it was kind of like, if you can imagine uh, cylinders uh, that have not been working or or didn't have oil and all of a sudden someone starts up the engine and you can see it just start to rumble and the cobwebs and all the dust come off. That's how I describe what it was like internally for my, my brain. Like things actually tingled. It it was so weird.
2: Uh, This is so interesting to me because I think about this a lot. When we uh, I'm not too sure how uh, how old or young you are, Sean, but uh, um, when I was going through elementary, and junior high, uh, in the 80s and early 90s, uh, if it felt like that diagnosis didn't really exist, you just had kids who were uh, perceived, as you said, as maybe not as smart uh, people, uh, kids who were disruptive in class. Uh, because maybe there were, quote-unquote, bad kids. All this improper uh, assumptions about so many kids due to uh, the fact that we didn't understand what was going on uh, as far as uh, the challenges that some of these children like yourself had because it's just there's certain ways of learning and and ways of teaching that just do not register with, with with certain uh certain people would you say that that's that's kind of accurate but now we're kind of in this place where we're now recognizing it it's becoming far more socially accepted and we understand how to treat it but like this it's kind of like a new a new thing now isn't it i mean like 20 years ago it felt like we still didn't know what was going on
3: well, in, in in a lot of ways, we don't, and and that's part of why I I do what I do, uh, as an individual who's gone through that. I have a very unique perspective through which to help people, and so what I what I've kind of do is to explain to parents and educators and and even you know entrepreneurs or business owners that it's not motivation, um, you know, you can try to motivate people in different ways, but it's the way in which we communicate with people that is what's key. I mean, my parents tried everything, uh, and and I guess I'll go back to um, you know, it, it, there wasn't a lot known about it, and there's also the, the stigma that goes with it. I mean, although I'd like to think my parents didn't have me assessed because they were they were ignorant or they didn't know, they knew there was something, and in that time, admitting that your child had some form of disability was to them was perceived as poor uh, poor parenting.
2: What, a, what and what a, t- a change of worldview, you know. And that wasn't long ago.
3: <laughs> you no, know?
2: that's the well, thing that and, blows and, my mind about all this. You know,
3: people still feel that way. My my dad still does not really truly. I mean, and it sounds weird to say this, but you know, for my dad to truly understand, he really didn't get it until I brought him my acceptance letter from the master's program at UMB. He just he he didn't he didn't get it.
1: Um, and, and what was it, it, it about, what was it about that that helped him get it? Like, I uh, what do you, what well, t- I was smart. <laughs> oh, I, I, oh I, went, mean, I
3: went from the bottom of my class and, and barely passing. And, and I was the one kid, I mean, I have two siblings and I was the one kid they were just scratching their heads and like, holy shit, what are we going to do with them? I gotcha. Uh, so I was the sleeper.
1: <laughs> so, so in terms of what you do with, um, in your, you know, like when you support like, uh, you know, individuals or an employee, like, like give us some examples of how, you know, with that perspective that you have, right? Um, sure. And, uh, you know, that, that like, w- what are the various ways that you help um, an individual? I and mean, you, you, you get, you shared an example of, of, um, Uh, one of the companies that that Greg and I would be familiar with, familiar with, uh, helping an employee there and, uh, and you talked about some tools and you know what I mean? Like, so I'm guessing there's a whole bunch of different ways you can be supporting. So help, help us understand a little more of that.
3: Sure. Well, again, it comes, it comes back to context and what the individual is interested in. So for this particular example, um, he was working for a company and they, I mean, they hired him on and it didn't work out, uh the work wasn't getting done. And so they let this person go, Uh, brought them back on a volunteer basis. And when I started working with them, they were about to let them go again. And they had tried, uh, you know, throwing money at them and and trying to do different things and nothing seemed to work. And so I I met with this individual and kind of assessed that it it wasn't lack of motivation. Uh, It was communication. And so what was happening was they would give this person what They perceived to be a concrete request, and the more and more the individual thought about it, the more abstract it became. And so I created a resource called Cleaning Your Room. And so when most of us think of cleaning your room, we automatically think, okay, I need to make my bed. I need to pick up the dirty clothes off the floor and put my clean clothes away. We take for granted all the intricate steps that are involved in doing each one of those tasks. And so, by using a program called inspiration, which is a mind mapping tool, uh, it you can it, it's really interesting. So I have a little drop down section for each one, so I can show employers or individuals or families you know these are all the steps that you're taking for granted that you're just assuming that this person knows and and so it needs to be broken down and presented in a different manner in order for them to achieve the result you're hoping to get
1: and so what was the what was the result with this guy?
3: Uh, it, it, it was amazing. <laughs> it, it, it was, uh, I, I would say, life-changing. And, uh, you know, th- this isn't the only story that I have. I mean, I've had families in my office crying because for the first time in their lives, they better understand how to communicate with their kids. And they realize that it's not motivation. It's it's communication. And, and, and I speak to that through my own experience. I mean, my parents hired, I don't know how many math tutors, to try to help me and when I think back it couldn't have worked because they all tried to do the same thing the same way Uh, i have a great story about uh, mental math like the the reason why i couldn't do math in school uh, was because it was overwhelming to me i mean i couldn't count change Uh, i would take change out of my pocket and i would go to count it and uh, you know if i was you know at the hockey rink or the the golf course and i wanted to get a bag of chips or, or a pop if i didn't have a bill large enough in my pocket I would walk away because I would start the counting process, uh, you know, a slap, you know, a puck hitting the boards or the buzzer going or somebody yelling four. And it was almost like someone erased the process. And so I'd have to restart to the point where I would get so frustrated. I would just put it in my pocket and walk away. And I I, I have a ton of awesome stories, but this one is particularly fascinating for me. When I look back Uh, in 2001, my uh, girlfriend at the time now wife uh we got a visa and we moved to the states Uh, we were originally going to work in in new hampshire uh but didn't really enjoy our job so we ended up moving to lake tahoe uh, State Line, nevada and i got a job as a blackjack dealer and i was really nervous because i didn't want to do it i couldn't count i didn't (laughs) this, this didn't seem like fun to me uh but the because i had something tactile to manipulate I learned how to do mental math. I needed something to manipulate with my hands, and because I could do that, I could then do it mentally. But I couldn't do it mentally without having that.
2: Wow, that's that's really cool. Like, like, like what what a revelation that is. You know, you. you oh, it, was, yeah. it was huge, huge.
1: And at the, at the time, you didn't really you, you you wouldn't have been aware of what was happening. Still
3: undiagnosed. Oh, I mean, right. I, I could tell you guys, like, I I tied my shoes the wrong way before I turned them the right way until I was 30. Every time. Like, it's just, it's uncanny. Like, I I played golf for years uh, as a junior, and I had a horrible slice. I mean, I would hit it three holes over to the right. Like, that's how bad it was. Uh, to being diagnosed. Like <laughs> well, not anymore, buddy. <laughs> uh, I, I corrected my swing. Once I was diagnosed, it was just, the pieces of the puzzle that were my life all of a sudden came together. I mean, I experienced what I call these aha moments on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. It was just amazing.
1: You know what? You know what I'm, and and, and Sean, like this is such a big topic, you know what I mean? It requires more time. We don't have a lot more time, but what I, what I, what's coming to mind for me right now is how little probably, you know, those of us who are lucky not, you know to be to to actually going through exactly what you're describing you know like how little we know about it and like your stories it's just you know it's it's like it's shocking actually to think because I, and maybe what i mean, i mean by that is there's a lot we take for granted
3: there is but i'll i'll challenge you dave because again it it i i use an asset based mentality it's not what's wrong with me it's what's right with me what's wrong was not knowing but now that i do know i know how the how i learn best so I'm, I'm able, and, and I guess my, my mantra is don't diss my ability. I may not learn in a conventional manner, but this doesn't mean I can't learn, only that you haven't been able to reach me. So I come up with unconventional ways uh, to try and help people, and it's all contextual context coming back to that. If someone's genuinely interested and passionate about something they're doing in their lives, why don't we incorporate that into some type of vocation or whatever they're interested in? We have kids doing math and, and reading textbooks about things that they can't use, like cars. You know, trying to ask a kid if this car goes this fast and that car goes that fast, and trying to figure that out. They can't drive a car. There's no context for them. So why why aren't we using subjects and material from pop culture that kids identify with mm-hmm. to help them in their education?
1: Yeah, and and, and like so to, so I and I agree with you. I, and I think what maybe where I'm coming from is that um, we all assume that the world thinks the way we think. And that's just right. not the reality and it's not there's a better, or, or, but you know what I mean? Like, so we try to, to, you know, impart to our children and stuff, you know, the, the way we would understand the world and we could, or to, or to our colleagues or, or, or people imparting to us in ways that just do not make sense. Right. Right. And I think what I'm hearing, the more the more clear you get on, you know, how your the cognition that happens and how your brain processes. I mean, you you, you know, like anything is possible. And uh, and I was telling you in our call in Montreal is that, uh, you know, one of my colleagues have very similar story, you know, ADHD and dyslexia. And I mean, now he's just very comp- I mean, much more accomplished than I could even imagine being. And yet his um you know, his you know, he didn't figure it out until I think he was in his early twenties. So but but it was uh, I'm just wondering how we help people get clear on, you know, this earlier on, like, what would your advice be?
3: Sure. Uh, contact me. Uh, you know, c- counseling is, is huge and I am the only person I know that's doing this type of progressive work. Um, there's a lot of negative language and connotation associated with disability. Um, and every time I meet someone and I explain what I do and I bring it back to everybody knows somebody with a disability and so I act as a resource for various programs that are disability related for people and and try to connect them in different ways. But the other thing I do is just to try and get out there. Uh, Gene Fowler, uh, who you guys both know, uh, owner of Blue Guru, he and I are actually partnering, uh, to develop some contextual learning apps, uh, for, for different styles of learners, uh, and, and hopefully uh, a series of short animated films on invisible disabilities, uh, which no one has really done before, like from the, the perspective of inside the brain.
2: Oh, that's awesome! I, 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 yeah, <laughs> you're definitely partnered with the right guy, Gene. Uh, we're, we're definitely big fa- fans of him. And uh, well, listen, as we as we wrap this up, Sean, maybe uh, considering we have most, I, I would suspect a lot of entrepreneurs listening to this. What would one last bit of advice be uh, for business owners? Who see great talent in in uh, in so many people, but then come to that that blockage where they just don't understand what's going on in this employees uh, or contractors uh, world, um, and maybe that particular person doesn't know either. But you know, to build this empathy that you're 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 helping with, like, uh, is there any sort of advice you can give to, to business owners to keep an eye out for this and and not to give up, uh, and you know, to reach out to the right resources when uh, the opportunity arises.
3: Have the conversation and explore it. Um, you know, again, disability, most people think that the person's going to be a liability when the truth of the matter is if it's, if it's explored and you're using that person's strengths, then they will be your most valuable asset. But it, it's exploring those strengths and having somebody who can facilitate that conversation. The, the individual may not be aware of it themselves. Uh, I, I truly believe individuals with uh, ADHD, learning disabilities, Cognitive or intellectual are uniquely gifted. What I love about my work is helping people explore these gifts, and I I get high from my work every day, guys. Like it's just phenomenal. I'm uh, I'm I'm very lucky to have found myself and what I love to do.
1: So when and I I mentioned uh, your website earlier, but like in terms of people getting reaching out to you um, to hear more about your story or to get advice, or to get direction, um, <clears throat> what, what are the best ways to do that?
3: They can uh, contact me through the website. My email's on there, and so is my phone number. So okay. that would be the best way to get in touch with me.
1: Right, and that and the site again is?
3: www.ddmacs.ca or .com.
2: And considering this is uh, <clears throat> Global uh, Inclusion Month, what can we do to spread this podcast around the world <laughs> so we can make this the most listened to uh, episode, Sean? We, we, let, let's actually make this a game. We, we are going sure. to make this happen. So who do you need to reach out to and who do we need to reach out to to share this message? Because I think what, you ha- what you're explaining to us is a message that needs to be heard. Absolutely.
3: Well, you've underestimated me because I've already done it.
2: Oh, my gosh. He's, he's the best. <laughs>
3: I, I, I'm methodical in what I do, guys. And, and you know, somebody once, uh, a student that I was talking to once described uh, us as X-Men. And, man, it, it, it's so true. Part of my ability by way of my disability for me is being able to hyper-focus at language and discourse and kind of hone in on what matters and discard the rest. So I've made a a business out of uh, finding loopholes, disability-related loopholes, and exploiting them for myself, therefore benefiting others. Uh, And so I'm very resourceful in that way, and so I've already contacted appropriate
2: channels to you uh how the was
3: taking place. That's
2: all we can say. You rock. Yeah. This is great. Thank you. <laughs> well, Sir Sean. thank you so much for being on the Bowling Point, man. We really, really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, looking forward to meeting you in person sometime. If you're ever in, uh, in, uh, in Surf City, St. John, New Brunswick, please uh, pop down and say hi. And uh, again, thank you so much for sharing and uh, for everything that you do, man. Appreciate yeah, it. And
1: keep up the great work, man. Love the passion. And thank you for educating us.
3: Thanks for having me. Could I, could I make one small plug? Sure. sure. Uh, just because it relates to what I'm doing in New Brunswick, uh, to my knowledge, there is no camp for kids with uh, learning disabilities or ADHD, and I'm actually going to be teaming up with uh, a, a guy named Nick Brennan, uh, who owns Red Rock Adventure. I know Nick, and I, I, I knew you did. <laughs> uh, so he and I are are going to be putting together uh, an outdoor. Uh, camping program specifically for kids with ADHD and uh, other other forms of learning.
2: Fantastic. Well, listen, how about yeah. this? You tell Nick that we'll get him on as a guest uh, very soon so he can uh, explain that. more about that. That's a great idea.
3: Sounds wonderful. Awesome. Thanks, guys. I appreciate your time. All, All right. right. You, Thanks, Sean. Take, Take care, care buddy. Thanks. Bye.
2: So what, well,
1: like I, he's got such a fascinating story, and it's, you know it's hard to, to to get it all in. But yeah. I wanted uh, I listened to him, and and I, he's got a particularly good way of articulating, kind very articulate, you know. Yeah, and yeah. And, and, he, and I love, and I think, and I guess maybe what I thought I thought of you and and this uh, venue is I like his I like how he tells stories. He weaves stories to help educate.
2: I thought you were gonna say you like the fact that he's got a really good beard.
1: Uh, he he does have yeah. a good beard as well. That's a good point. True that. Yeah.
2: Um
1: so, but his his ability to, to share a story and help you kind of understand his perspective through his stories is pretty powerful. And he's, he's uh, uh, you know, he shared a few of them with me. And I said, man, I, you got, we got to share this with more people. God, so, I think that's great. Um, I, but I also, I don't feel like we did it justice because it's, so, it's there's so much there. Well, the, there's so much more to hear. So that's the, the, the part I'm feeling it's like. It's always the case. Yeah. Well,
2: well quickly for me, and, you know, I'm thinking from an employer's perspective, my takeaway is just we got to continue to educate ourselves and uh, on this topic and really strive for empathy when we're faced with challenges with employees who seem to be challenged or seem to not be getting it. Um, I don't know what the answers are, but uh, having this conversation with Sean is certainly opening my mind to uh, being a little more careful and uh, caring, I should say, in, in these situations. Because it's not just work environments. It's... It, it's anybody you're trying to communicate with, you yeah. know, it's a...
1: And you know, you know what, on that, I think what's, it's funny because he brought it up multiple times, but, you know, I, the, and I guess it's this idea that people go, oh, they must be lazy. Oh, they, you know, like, in other words, because we, I don't know about you, but I, I mean, people will present you with something that's new and you got to figure it out in your own way. And sometimes you procrastinate because you're not sure how to get at it, right? And, you know, if you look just at the behavior, you might say, wow, well, geez, Dave's... He's, you know, he's not interested, or he's not motivated, or he's lazy, or he he's not intelligent enough to figure this out. When the reality is, you're just trying to figure it out. You know what I mean? Like, how how do I get through this? So, so you know, what I mean, I like the idea that I think that that he said, you know, it's not about motivation. And you kind of mentioned that a bunch of times. That's a good thing to remember, right? You know, where's the person coming from? You know, d- is there a chance that there's a, you know, there there is, you know, it's a cognitive issue, you know, in terms of, you know, but like the, because. The, Because we're all brilliant in our own ways. You know, just like you say, everyone's creative in their own ways, right? So um, that's a good, that's a kind of a good thing to keep in mind, you know?
2: Context is king, Dave. Context Context is is king. King. On that note, we will see you next week, man. We're out of time. Uh, This has been awesome. Talk soon. Okay, man.
0: Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out LeadershipUnleashed.ca or VisionCoachingInc.com. And on Twitter, at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit HemmingsHouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening and remember, keep that pot boiling.